Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Great to be with you this Monday. Wallace Chapman here. Now, State Highway 6, Fox River, there's been a rock fall. That was uh, this morning, and that road is still down to one lane between the intersection of Kaipataki Road, Point Road rather, and Fox River Bridge. So please drive with care while driving in that area. That's uh, a rock fall, State Highway 6, Fox River. Today, $140 million pumped into New Zealand Steel's Glen, Glenbrook plant to install an electric arc furnace, halving its coal use, a worthy massive emissions reduction project or corporate welfare, that just after four. The US poised to sign a deal with PNG that may give US armed forces unimpeded access to their territorial waters and airspace. Our guest today says the Pacific is becoming a political checkerboard. And the Manuka honey industry has been dealt another blow. It has lost its bid to trademark the term Manuka honey in New Zealand. Also today, Gemma McCaw takes her kids to the park in rainy Canterbury weather and gets rebuked by someone for taking them out in the rain. An annoying busybody or a concerned citizen just worried about someone else's children getting cold. Love your thoughts on that. And the song whisperer today, you guess the lyrics and the panel gives you the song. Here they are. Now I'm looking to the sky to save me. I'm looking for a sign of life. Looking for something to help me burn out bright. What's the song? Text me, 2101, email the panel at rnz.co.nz. Today, Ali Jones, elected member of the Papanui Innes Central Community Board in Christchurch and senior consultant at Red PR. Ali Jones, welcome. Hi, Wallace, how are you? Good, thank you. Also, Martin Bosley, fishmonger and owner of Yellow Brick Road. That's a seafood company. Kia ora, Martin. Kia ora, Wallace. Kia ora, Catherine. Ali. Oh, sorry, Ali. God, my mistake. I've always no, wanted no. to be a Catherine. I'd like Catherine. Catherine. <laughs> well, whoever sorry. we are, Catherine happy Monday mind. to my you. Apologies. All right, <laughs> Ali and problem. Martin here. Now, Scrabble is a staple of almost every home's ga- home game's cupboard, but do you think you have what it takes to be crowned a champion? On King's birthday weekend, 80 players will head to Howick in East Auckland and battle it out to become New Zealand's 43rd Scrabble champion. The lineup includes the current champ, Joanne Craig from Sydney, along with a number of Scrabble grandmasters and globally ranked players. And to tell us what's in store for us, we have Liz Fagerland, the tournament director. Welcome, Liz. Oh, thank you very much. I bet the competition is fierce. It certainly is. It certainly is, especially at the top. But at any grade, there's all grades. So there's players who aren't as strong. um, But in their own grades, the competition is still very fierce for getting getting the win in their grade. I've only known Scrabble as a thing I used to do as a, you know, as a as a young person with the family. Tell me, is Scrabble really popular in Aotearoa? It's pretty popular. Um, it's a lot of people now play online. It's quite hard to get people along to clubs, but it's pretty popular. And in competition Scrabble, you always just play one on one. There's only two oh. people in the game. You don't 
have like wow. a family of four all battling it out. <laughs> no, it's a one-on-one, so very, yes. very competitive. Ali Jones, do you still dabble in the odd game of Scrabble? Oh, nice. I saw what you did there with the words, Wallace. Um, I love it. Anything to do with words and language. Uh, I'm disappointed to hear that people are still going to the screen because I like the touching of the tiles. It's so tactile, yeah. too. Did you see what I did there with the alliteration? Very so language clever. and words. It's, thank you. Uh, worked hard on that. Uh, what I do want to know is what makes a good Scrabble player, Liz? Is there anything you see mm. in successful players that they have in common? Uh, well, good Scrabble player obviously has learnt a lot of the words that are allowed and, and people may look at some of them and go, that can't be a word. What does that mean? Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, good Scrabble players have, one, a good word knowledge. So they put quite a lot of effort into studying anagrams of words, word lists, um, but they also are very good at balancing their rack. In other words, if they've got five vowels on their rack, and some promising letters, um, they may try and get rid of three or four of those in a word and hope to get a better rack for the next time. Goodness. Mm. Martin? Yeah, we should all know how to balance our rack, I guess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's got a rule for life. Um, My my mother, 85, she plays online Scrabble, um, and she would have four or five games going with friends of hers from all around the world. It's how she keeps in touch with them. Uh, she's amazing at it, and um, she's a master at not only like the number of words that she knows, but also putting like a two-letter word like QI on a triple-word score and coming out with like three hundred points. Gosh, <laughs> I, you know, and, and that's a big part of the game, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Those little words are really important. Knowing where you can hook them on, looking for the um, the hot spots on the board, mm. like a, a triple-letter spot that will go two ways. Um, you can score a lot of points just with a two-letter word. Yeah, that's why I don't play with her. No, it's, <laughs> uh, I mean, Scrabble is really, it's, it's, it's a wordsmith's game. I'm not very good at it at all. Um, but how long, Liz, have you been involved? How did you get involved in the world of Scrabble? Well, I did play with my family when I was growing up, and then I had a friend that um, we used to have a few games, and Scrabble was one of them. And then he said, why don't you join a Scrabble club? And I said, oh, come on, there's no such thing. But uh, sure enough, there was. So um, I joined the Christchurch Scrabble club. That's where I started. And uh, there was no looking back. I very quickly got into playing competitions. I'm clearly a bit competitive. Mm. And I've been to lots of different countries in the world playing. And you just make friends all over the world. Isn't that fantastic that a game of Scrabble has took you around the globe? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Can I just Do you know what the biggest, highest scoring word in Scrabble has ever been? It's a a word called Kazik, and it scored 392. K, yes. uh, sorry, C A Z I Q U E S. Oh, you know about it, Liz? Tell us. Yes, what is it? I do. I do. That's that's the word. Kaziks. I yeah. think. Yeah. You know what it means? Um, you know what? I look up the meanings of some of these words, but I don't always remember. Tell us. I'm West going Indian to know. chiefs. West Indian chiefs. It's a plural for West Indian chiefs. Probably a word played by my mother at some stage. That's amazing. How how heated do these do the arguments over words like that? I mean, yeah. a, a competition level does it get quite fraught? 
Well, not really, because we have a, a, a dictionary source that's always used in competition. So you have a program, and if somebody doesn't like the word someone's played, they can choose to challenge it. So you go up and you type the word in, and it'll get a green tick or a red cross, mm. depending on whether it's right or wrong. So if the word's wrong, it comes off and that person loses a turn. If the word is right, the person who played it gets five extra points. What? The other person doesn't miss a turn. <laughs> they get a bonus. Off to, the Very, off to the TMO. Yeah, hey, lovely to talk to you, Liz. <laughs> the, the world of Scrabble is coming up. By the way, can you come and watch? You can certainly come and watch. It's not necessarily a big spectator sport as such. It's, it's more, <laughs> no. you know... But, Other you know. Scrabble players like watching Scrabble players' games. But I do remember one time when I was overseas somewhere playing, in English, of course, and there were some people that came in and they were watching a game. And they said, are they playing in English? <laughs> <laughs> they really weren't sure because some of the words are pretty unusual. Amazing. Liz, thank you. There's tournament director Liz Vagel in there talking about the upcoming Scrabble uh, championship, actually, uh, on King's birthday weekend. 80 players converge. Um, I'm a bit of feedback coming through about uh, Gemma McCaw taking her kids for a walk in the uh, Christchurch rain. We'll talk about that soon. Someone says, I'm incensed about this. In the 70s, we lived in Edinburgh, very cold. Up and down the street, people had their children in their prams, including us, in the snow and rain. But that was the 70s. Isn't it different now? Anyway, that at 25 past four. All right, time for I've Been Thinking. Ali Jones, you start. Just been thinking about why no one seems to be dealing with the mental health and addiction and well-being crisis. And it's, you know, it's been going on for some time here in New Zealand. Um, lots of talk in the budget, millions tossed around in the budget. But there seems to be little improvement, and in some ways it seems to be getting worse. The reason I've been thinking about it even more is, at my age now, people have got kids in their late, te- well, they've grown up, grown adults really, in their late teens, early 20s, and there's a lot of this anxiety, social anxiety. Uh, I, I think the um, social media's got a lot to do with that as well. But a friend of mine tried to get a referral to a counselling service from her GP for her son just a couple of weeks ago. He's 18. And she was told that there was no point. The GP said, look, there's just no space. Whenever we apply, they come back to us and say, try again in another few months. To be told that there's no point to even apply to go on a wait list, I, I mean, it just it's tragic. And we know what our suicide rates and mental health problems are with young people in New Zealand. And so what I've been thinking about is what would it take for someone to take this on as their own problem and issue to resolve and actually sort it. Surely where there's a will, there's a way. Very good. Very good. Mm. We'll cover that actually. Uh, the, uh, the lack of uh, the, the lack of uh, room when someone is given a referral, particularly young people, it is a real concern, isn't it? And imagine being the and parents just going... And not only that though, Wallace, not only that, I've heard about people being given Ritalin prescriptions and just given the Ritalin, they're not monitored on the medication, they're not given any counselling or anything. It, it just seems to be really haphazard and band-aid, and that okay. really worries me. It's Ali Jones. Kia ora, Ali. All right, Martin Bosley, I've been thinking. Oh, well said, Ali. I couldn't agree more. Um, I've been thinking, actually sort of following on from something that um, Catherine Robertson said on the panel on Friday about um, getting rid of her lawns. Yep. Uh, and I've been sort of um, doing a bit of research and thinking on this lately uh, regarding, I guess, with my councillor hat on with um, 
uh, you know, the rates reviews that are coming up and balancing budgets for councils and, you know, where money gets spent and things. And uh, part of that is a thing called, uh, it's an initiative called Greening the Grey. And it sort of started in the UK and it's becoming quite big. Um, in sort of uh, certain parts of Scotland, Sheffield has just done a, an amazing makeover there, and it's about using, sort of transforming really. Um, I guess uh, it's, well, it's a mix of conservation and restoration of nature into hard urban environments. So it's like taking some of those grey spaces back and greening them up. So more more tree planting in streets, the greening of parks and footpaths, and basically sort of getting rid of lawns is a large part of it. Like, you know, I, I read recently that, that the lawns are kind of like a conceit of the landed gentry. Who, oh, they, that's a bit harsh, isn't they, it? Well, they put lawns in to prove that they didn't need the space to grow vegetables because they were so rich. Uh, and we've kind of maintained that whole thing of like, you know, my, you know pristine lawn. That actually doesn't really do a great deal. Except look for, beautiful. It does look beautiful, but it's not that great for our habitats, right? So this is, a, you know, then you know, in terms of councils, they're always paying people to come and mow the lawns, maintain the lawns and whatever. And if you start planting, you know, um, you know, natives along with other things as well within there, it becomes a, a question of maintenance once or twice a year as opposed to every month it needs it needs mowing. I and hear what you're saying in practice. Imagine, though, a whole street of un- unmown lawns. I'd love it. I'd love it. I think, you know, lawns no, are you wouldn't. To, I mean, grass is meant to be long anyway. We all trim it down to, you know, about a millimetre. And grass actually by nature wants to be long, right? But this is like, you know, you look at new subdivisions with concrete driveways and things, then we wonder why they flood. It's because we're not building anywhere for the rain to go, for it to, you know, to run off into anything. So this is about creating sustainable drainage systems. And I think councils and, and, and homeowners, we need to start looking okay. at other ways of helping, helping ourselves to avoid the situation that we nice find one, ourselves Martin. in. Very good there, a bit of feedback on that uh, coming in. Sharon says, nothing other than a neurotic busybody would criticise a mother for letting children walk in the rain. Getting wet and jumping in puddles are amongst the delights of childhood. Go, Gemma, you are doing exactly the right thing. We'll talk about that later on the panel with Ellie Jones and Martin Bosley.